Oh man, it's so hard to do this particular podcast because I feel like I should be doing a Chiefs and Patriots preview, but not the case. Well, what are you going to do about it? Nonetheless, we're still going to be doing another edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast with me, your host, Farzine Vasugan. Thank you guys, as always, for downloading and listening to this podcast and downloading this episode into your iTunes library or on the podcast library on your smartphone. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, be sure you hit the subscribe button and a new episode will download automatically anytime a new episode is available. You guys can also connect with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Give my Facebook page a like, interact with me and all the other Chiefs fans on my Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine 21 Follow me, send me a tweet. Let's talk Chiefs football. Let's talk whatever. It doesn't have to be Chiefs football. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll post some non-Chief stuff on my Facebook page, and I'll, I'll tweet a, a variety of different things on social media. So uh, that's how you guys can uh, connect with me on social media, and uh, let's get the conversation going. One, one of my favorite things about this podcast is, of course, the Chiefs talk, but every now and then, we, you know, with Chiefs fans, we, we find common interest in things that are not about the Chiefs, and look, let's face it, we're in off-season mode, so... Uh, I'll be I'll be tweeting a lot about the UFC, of course, or any anything else that comes up. The Kansas City Royals, of course. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm a big KU fan. Uh, sorry to all the <laughs> MU and and K State fans. I'll, I try to I try not to be too harsh on Twitter about that. But nonetheless, that's how you guys can connect with me on social media. All right. Uh, unfortunately, as I mentioned, this podcast is. I, I mean, we're, we're not doing any more previews the season's over for the Chiefs so this podcast is now going to be uh once a week uh pretty much until after the Super Bowl and then from that point on uh, I might take a bit of a break from the podcast unless something big comes up with the Kansas City Chiefs I'll definitely get something out there but I'm definitely going to take a bit of a break with the podcast uh it's been kind of a, a a crazy last five months for me uh, while it was football season, as you guys know, there were times where I, I was not able to do the podcast during the preseason, a little bit during the season. Uh, but I appreciate you guys still uh, being patient, waiting, staying subscribed to the podcast, and uh, you know, obviously, we we're able to get things in uh, eventually. Uh, definitely in need of, of, of a, a bit of a break. Would have loved to do it after the Super Bowl, but. Uh, you know, once the Super Bowl's over with, we'll, we'll recap that and just talk any Chiefs news at the time. But uh, from here on out, uh, for a couple of weeks at least, the podcast will be once a week. As far as this podcast, I'm going to do a recap of the 2016 Chiefs season. Just kind of looking through the 12-14 and 14 AFC West winning season. Uh, great season for the Chiefs. Unfortunately, not the result they wanted in the postseason. So... We'll recap that. What does this season mean? What's the state of the franchise moving forward with the Chiefs? And also, next week's podcast, of course, we're in off-season mode. I'm going to be recapping the positions on this Chiefs roster and kind of talk about who, the, what positions, I should say, what positions the Chiefs should go after to try to improve on. And I'll also give you guys a list who the Chiefs can go after, not just in free agency, but also in the draft to try to improve their football team. Now to start off, uh, I, I want to talk about the quarterback position with Alex Smith because at the end of the last podcast, which if you haven't listened to, you guys can go back to the iTunes library and look at the archives. It's the most recent episode before this one, so uh, ch- check that out if you haven't because I gave you guys a lot of reasons as to why the Chiefs should look to draft a quarterback. I know that there are options out there with 
Kirk Cousins, he, he with him being the uh, biggest free agent, but then there's nobody else after him. So, uh, you know, there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to be aiming for that one QB and Cousins, and only one team can come away with him. There's also the possibility of Tony Romo and whether or not he could come to Kansas City or another football team. Well, how would well, – and it's probably going to be via trade from the Dallas Cowboys. So what would, uh, what would you want? Or do you not even want Tony Romo? Me personally, I think – He's going to come with 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 a hefty price and a guy who's been injury prone the last couple of years. I don't know if you if you take that risk. I listen, I know it sounds hypocritical to say as a Chiefs fan because look what the Chiefs did with some veteran QBs and guys like Joe Montana and Trent Green. Uh but at the same time, you you're not going to get a Joe Montana or a Trent Green. And Trent Green's kind of an interesting uh Part of that list because a uh, short list, but uh, he was not. He obviously he didn't have the same career Joe Montana had, but he was still a veteran guy who was looking for work in some way because he knew he, he still had something in the tank. And of course, he came to Kansas City and did a lot of big things. But uh, at the same time, for me, and I don't doubt that Tony Romo would do a great job with, with this football team. But if you trade for him and he and if he suffers an injury. Well, look, you just traded your, some of your resources, whether it's a player or a draft pick or maybe multiple draft picks, only for this veteran who has been injured the past couple of years to get injured again, this time in in your under your hands. So I'm not too big on Tony Romo coming to Kansas City. I mentioned last podcast, I think the Chiefs have to go for a quarterback in the draft. I, I just think it's got to happen. I gave you guys a couple of names who I think, but to give you guys kind of an idea, let's look at the four teams who are going to be competing in the conference championship matches this weekend. you got the Patriots, the Steelers, the Packers, and the Falcons. What do they all have in common with their quarterbacks? They drafted their quarterbacks. The Patriots drafted Brady. Roethlisberger was drafted by the Steelers. Rodgers... Drafted by the uh, the Packers and Matt Ryan, of course, with the Falcons. So these are guys who not only were they drafted by their own teams, but uh, they they started early. They started right away. They they got into the system. They improved uh, some development with the coaches. Of course, some of these guys have gone through different coaches throughout their careers. Uh, but a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, he has not had any problems with that. He went from Bill Cowher to Mike Tomlin, I mean, that, that that's obviously been one of the smoothest transitions you'll see in a head coaching switch, whereas a guy like Matt Ryan, who had Mike Smith for a long time, and now look at him, his head coach is Dan Quinn, uh, some, some rough moments there, past couple of years, but now you see the Falcons, uh, their offense, one of the highest scoring offenses in NFL history, top 10 scoring offense ever, so this is, uh, I mean, some quarterbacks, they go through change. I mean, they, they, they live with it and do a great job. Some quarterbacks, it takes a, a, a big adjustment. Look at Kansas City. Uh, the amount of head coaches that a guy like Derek Johnson, uh, and, and even Tom Bahali, they, they've been here for such a long time. Who have they had as their head coaches? They were both drafted by Dick Vermeil. They played for Herm Edwards. They played for Todd Haley. Romeo Cornell, Andy Reid. How many different defensive coordinators have these guys had? I mean, Bob Sutton has been their uh, best defensive coordinator in, in a long time. I think Gunther Cunningham was the D coordinator for, what, four years? 
five years when he came back. And then here's Bob Sutton, who's been the, what, probably longest reigning defensive coordinator that DJ and Tamba have had to work with since they were drafted by the Chiefs. So this, to me, you know, longevity is so important with head coaches. And I think at this point, you've got to have a quarterback through the draft. Got to find someone early, develop them. Obviously, you want someone that's going to fit in your system and You know, I'm pretty big on Deshaun Watson, especially the way he looked in that national title game against a very good and NFL kind of team in Alabama. Uh, I I think he's the right guy. I want to go through all of the 12 playoff teams for just a moment because you're going to find a lot of similarities with these football teams. Kind of similar to what I mentioned to to the teams on the Final Four right now. Let's look at the AFC for a moment. The Chiefs have Alex Smith. Obviously, they didn't draft Alex Smith. They traded, uh, gave away a pair of second-round picks to acquire Alex Smith from the San Francisco 49ers. The Houston Texans, uh, they they acquired Brock Osweiler just this past offseason, but they did draft Tom Savage, who they were pretty high on for a little bit uh, until Savage suffered an injury and the Texans were forced to go back to Osweiler. Now, outside of those teams... I mentioned the Patriots and the Steelers. Of course, they drafted Brady and Roethlisberger. The Miami Dolphins, they had Ryan Tannehill. And I understand Ryan Tannehill wasn't available in the postseason, but Ryan Tannehill is a big part of the reason why the Dolphins made it to the playoffs this year, winning 10 games. The Oakland Raiders. A couple of years ago, they drafted Derek Carr. This this was a winless team uh, for a majority of 2014, and now they're a a 12-4 football team, barely getting edged out by the Chiefs in the AFC West. So you look at these football teams in the AFC. Four of the six teams, the Chiefs and Texans being excluded from those four teams, they drafted their quarterbacks that they that helped them reach the playoffs. And I understand, you know, Derek Carr wasn't available for the Raiders and for the Dolphins, they didn't have Ryan Tannehill. But you get the idea. Those two quarterbacks still help the Dolphins and the Raiders, respectively, reach the postseason. Let's look at the NFC for a moment. Now, I mentioned last podcast, when I was going through the list of Super Bowl QBs, uh, QBs that have played in the Super Bowl the past few years, and who drafted them, Eli Manning was not drafted by the Giants, but on draft day, after being drafted by the Chargers, the New York Giants acquired him, what, an hour later or so? So, essentially, you could say that Eli Manning was drafted by the the New York Giants. The Dallas Cowboys, they drafted Dak Prescott. Aaron Rodgers, I already covered that, got drafted by the Packers. The Detroit Lions, they drafted Matthew Stafford. The Atlanta Falcons, we already went over that with Matt Ryan. And the Seattle Seahawks, they drafted Russell Wilson. So you look at the entire NFC field, the six teams from the NFC that made it to the postseason. All the quarterbacks that they have... They drafted them. So out of all the 12 teams, only the Chiefs and the Texans, and I don't know, maybe you put a weird asterisk by the Texans because Tom Savage, I guess, helped them uh, not lose that very tight AFC South race, and he was drafted by the Texans, but he wasn't their primary starter for all of 2016. That's also another thing that I'm considering in this. So those 12 teams, or 10 of those 12 teams, they, they... 
their quarterbacks led them to to the playoffs. And the Texans, late in the season, they had a quarterback that they've drafted in 2014 in Tom Savage, who stepped up in the last couple of games when they needed him. So the Chiefs are the only team that didn't make it to the playoffs, or that did make it to the playoffs, but didn't do so with a quarterback that they drafted, a quarterback that they develop of their own. This is a guy who came over from San Francisco. And look, I'm not saying you can't rely on a free agent QB, Obviously, we've seen in the past with Joe Montana in Kansas City, Brett Favre going over to the the Minnesota Vikings, Peyton Manning to the Denver Broncos, but that's a very rare occasion. We don't see those often. There's a reason why 10 of the 12 teams, they got to to their postseasons because of their quarterbacks who they drafted. So I think it's really important that the Chiefs focus on that this this offseason. Focus on finding the right quarterback in the draft. Now, obviously, there are ideal quarterbacks who are going to emerge in the first round and be taken. And it's going to be hard for Kansas City because they're going to be picking very late in this year's draft. 27th, to be exact. Now, listen, I've said it before on the podcast. I don't care where this Chiefs team drafts because Andy Reid just seems to have a knack for finding talent no matter what round he's in. And even before Andy Reid, the Chiefs have had a lot of luck in later rounds. The third round has been a gem for the Chiefs. Justin Houston, Jamal Charles, Chris Conley, who I think a lot of Chiefs fans are starting to like as a number two wideout. I know he didn't have a gigantic impact, but I think he's getting there. So the Chiefs have had some really good third round draft picks. They had a... Big defensive player in Jared Allen, who almost broke the sack record at one point in his career. Dante Hall was drafted in the fifth round. Look at the Chiefs under Andy Reid. Some of the playmakers that they have found. Chris Jones drafted in the second round. Tyree Kill in the fifth round. Now I'm just talking about this year, this past year's draft. Marcus Peters, I understand he had some off-the-field issues that a lot of teams passed, passed him on because of that. Andy Reid said, why not? I'll take him. But I also see a lot of potential in this guy, so we need him on this football team. And listen, I think part of that has to do with how coaches develop their players, and Andy Reid is one of the best at doing that, which, again, I know so many people were emotional after the loss and called for Andy Reid's job. What I just mentioned with with the way Andy Reid's developed football players, that's a huge reason as to why you keep Andy Reid and retain him. And, you know, the uh, rumors of... Him receiving a contract extension, you've got to extend Andy Reid. This is a guy who you need on your staff. This is a the kind of coach that players love to play for. But at the end of the day, this Chiefs football team is one quarterback away from a lot of success. And listen, I know a lot of quarterbacks are going to go early, the good quarterbacks. But you can still find some talented players in later drafts, look at Tom Brady. We don't see that as often, but this year we actually did find someone and a guy like Dak Prescott who was drafted in the fourth round and because of Tony Romo's injury, he was immediately pushed into that starting role and he did a fantastic job with it. Gotta give him a lot of credit. Even though the Cowboys didn't win any, any postseason games, he still did a great job with the with the Cowboys doing a much better job than a lot of people thought they would have, especially the turnaround uh, from Going from one of the worst teams in the NFL to being the number one seeded team in the NFC. And listen, I I know a lot of, at this point, 
I mentioned, you know, how how, much, how patient I was with Alex Smith. I'm now in the camp of get a, get a new quarterback, preferably through the draft. I think the Chiefs have gone through these free agent or trade QBs for a long time. Guys like Trent Green, uh, the bro. I mean, you had Damon Heward for a little bit. Uh, the Rorty Croyle project w- was just a, a, a horrible experiment. You acquired Matt Castle from the New England Patriots, and now Alex Smith. It's just, it's just not really working out. It, it's not leading you anywhere. Sure, Alex Smith did give the Chiefs uh, their first postseason win in more than twenty years, but and also this offense has been a lot better under Alex Smith. You, you're seeing Alex Smith put up numbers that no other Chiefs QB has. Uh, has put up in their first couple of years with the team. But at some point, you've got to move on. 15 touchdowns and 8 interceptions, that's that's not doing it. It's just not. And I think this past Sunday, or yeah, Sunday, we got evidence as to why Alex Smith is not going to lead the Chiefs to a Super Bowl. I hate to say it because I was such a... Big Alex Smith supporter. I, I, the thing that I appreciate so much about Smith is his ability to take care of the football. He really did a fantastic job with that in his four years with the Chiefs and possibly maybe his fifth year. Andy Reid did say in the press conference he was asked if Alex Smith would, would be the QB for 2017. And Andy Reid said, do I think we can win with him? Yeah, we were almost there. So, uh, you know, words can mean anything. The Chiefs. There were reports on draft day in in, uh, 2014, yeah, 2014, that the Chiefs were actually interested in Johnny Manziel as he continued to fall on the draft. But the thing with this Chiefs football team, I just don't think they're going to get it done with Alex Smith. And this year wasn't really a great year for Smith. uh, And I think his numbers prove that. And I know a lot of people say stats don't mean everything. All right, then the eye test. Let's go there. Anybody who saw all 16 Chiefs games in the regular season, you know Alex Smith was completely different than he was in in past years with the Chiefs team. So I think the Chiefs definitely need to go into another direction with their quarterback. Now I know what Alex Smith supporters are going to say, because at this point, you either love Alex Smith and you want him on your football team next year, or you just want a different quarterback. And I think this past Sunday, there were some people who who were... Maybe on the fence, but leaning towards keeping Smith. And after Sunday's loss, you, you kind of you, you you just change your mind. And you're thinking we've got to we've got to do something else about the, about the QB situation. And I know what supporters are going to say. He's now going to replace Derek Carr in the Pro Bowl. Which, by the way, Dustin Colquitt will also uh, be a replacement in the Pro Bowl. So he is going to participate in this year's Pro Bowl, while Eric Berry will not. Uh, this is my thing with that. Okay. The Pro Bowl, sure, it has a meaning to it, but it's obviously not the same as the All-Pro selections. Like, for example, the NFL uh, Pro Football Writers of America, those guys. Their their team that they designed, the first All-Pro team, is going to be much better than the Pro Bowl team on paper. And that's if you follow the game of football very closely. If you look at how all these players did throughout the season, you'll see that these AP or NFLPA All-Pro teams, they have, I mean, they have a better list than what you see in the Pro Bowl. So listen, I mean, the Pro Bowl, there are always a lot of snubs and people who somehow got in. 
I'll give you an example. I, I mean, in 2013, by the way, let me just say this. As fans, let's just be honest, and even people in the media too, I'm not going to pretend like I know who the five best offensive linemen are in football because I don't. All right, and anyone who tells you they do, they're a, they're a liar. All right, you you uh, unless you cheat your way to websites like Pro Football Focus or or Stats LLC where they have specific statistics for offensive linemen. Truly, we we, we don't know who the best are, and even if even if we do use stats, we still. For those who do vote for the Pro Bowl, they go look up some stats and try to add some add some guys who who have some some of the more better stats, and that's fine, that's normal. But with offensive linemen, they don't have a lot of stats on NFL.com or ESPN.com. You've got to have a Pro Football Focus account, which nowadays is freaking expensive. I actually reach out to Pro Football Focus because they they allow certain media people. Uh, to to acquire some that way they they are allowed to share these stats. Fans can purchase them too, by the way, but you are not allowed whatsoever to to post anything. Now I don't know how they track that, but it's let's just say it's it'd be safe to not do that. So I asked them. They said for people in the me, in the media, if they want to be able to have an account, it, it would cost a certain amount. And for me, they said five thousand dollars a year, and I'm definitely not paying that much. And I know they're pretty high on their on their on the right on their egos right now because let's be honest, Chris Collinsworth and Sunday Night Football they, they've done a great job spamming Pro Football Focus on their statistic pages uh, and all the graphics they put up there. So uh, they're they're very well known now because of the uh, national highlights. But nonetheless, I, I, I digress. Uh, unless you have one of those Pro Football Focus accounts that have very detailed and specific offensive lineman statistics, truly. Nobody knows who the five best linemen are. Now, on the other side of it, defensive backs, we don't know a lot about their success either. Because someone could go the season with just two or three picks, but they actually do a great job in coverage and don't get burned much. That was kind of the case with Sean Smith while he was in Kansas City. And he never got to a Pro Bowl. My point with the cornerback position is, Brandon Flowers was once voted into a Pro Bowl. I know people like Brandon Flowers as a starting number one cornerback for the Chiefs, but let's be honest, Brandon Brandon Flowers was never a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. The reason he got in is because in 2013 when the Chiefs had that 9-0 start and while fans are voting, fans said, huh, who do I vote at cornerback? Oh, well, I'll vote for Flowers because he's the number one cornerback on a team that's 9-0 right now. Uh, I'll give you another example. Not only do fans, when they don't know who to truly vote for, they'll vote for a player just because he's on a team with a really great record. But at the same time, there are players with a great name with a great name who get in. Based off name recognition, Eric Berry got in in the 2012 Pro Bowl. And I'll say this, and I know people love Eric Berry and everything how he's gone through that he's gone through, but Eric Berry was terrible in 2012, and he got voted into the Pro Bowl. So. There are times where, and by the way, I'm not trying to bash Eric Berry by by all means. He's been great, excluding 2012 and the two years that he's been injured and had to miss the remainder of those two seasons, which were 2011 and 2014. Eric Berry's been phenomenal. I just feel like in 2012, he got in just because of name recognition, just because he's Eric Berry, stud safety out of Tennessee, and a Pro Bowler pretty much every year since he's been a Chief. 
And I, I, I just feel like he, he got in based on his name. Kobe Bryant, I'll even go this far, okay? Kobe Bryant was having a terrible season, barely had played any games for the Lakers a couple of years ago, and he got voted in as a starter. Let's not forget, for those of us who are also Royals fans, Omar Infante almost got voted in as an all-star. And there was a great chance that he could have been demoted to AAA Omaha and could have been an all-star second baseman. That's how how ridiculous that these Pro Bowl and all-star votings are. So let's not take it too seriously that Alex Smith got voted into the Pro Bowl. He got voted into the, to the Pro Bowl in 2013, and he was an alternate Pro Bowl last year. He didn't get into the Pro Bowl last year because there was no need for change there. But as an alternate, he got enough votes to be a backup, basically. So for all in all, I think a lot of Pro Bowl voters said, "Huh, well, there's Alex Smith. He's been he's been a great quarterback. Uh, he's been to the Pro Bowl the past couple of years. The Chiefs have had a great record. Alex Smith has had a great winning percentage lately, so I'll vote him in. And at this point, the winning percentage, if Alex Smith does have another season, I just could see that winding down. So for me, I think there are a lot more reasons than not as to why the Chiefs have to move into a different direction and part ways with Alex Smith. Let's not forget, and the Kansas City Star reported this uh, this past week, and I've been saying this for a while, Al- the Chiefs can part ways with Alex Smith and not take a cap hit this offseason. They can do that. And I think that's going to be an interesting point as to what will factor into Kansas City's decision when they want to evaluate the quarterback position and make their decision on what they want to do. And listen, if if Deshaun Watson's available when the Chiefs have their first draft pick, the 27th pick overall, or if they trade up, how do you pass on that guy? Because there, there's a possibility he could fall. And, you know, there, there are players who will fall maybe in the first, second rounds of the draft that w- later on when all these media outlets do their redo drafts, maybe a guy like Deshaun Watson goes top five in that repick. Let me know what you guys think. Are you guys still on the Alex Smith bandwagon? I mean, do you, do you feel like he deserves another chance because... In 2014, we made a lot of excuses for him. The offensive line was not very good. The wide receivers couldn't catch a touchdown pass. Travis Kelsey was your only guy in. Jamal Charles uh, right there with him. And at some point, you have to figure out a way to say, look, we're just not getting things done here. We have made plenty of excuses for Alex Smith over the years. Now that we have adjusted and improved our offensive line in our receiving core, we're still not winning games, the games that we need to win. I know, it sounds silly. Team was 12-4, and four, but they didn't get anywhere in the postseason with a bye week. And listen, that, that, that game for Alex Smith, I, I'm not blaming it solely on him, but he had a, he had a hand in that loss. You know, those, those pass, the missing Tyreek Hill multiple occasions. And listen... You know, people are making excuses about the West Coast offense and how it's designed. Okay, if that's the case, why why would Tyreek Hill run that route and not not be thrown to? 
The coaches designed that play for a reason. Especially when Tyreek Hill, let's face it, he's going to outrun the entire Steelers defense. And he's going to be wide open for an easy six. But there's no pass there. The pass to Jeremy Macklin. Now there are some people who are saying that it was a catchable pass. Okay, sure. But with Macklin's speed, if you just throw that over the top, he's going to the he's going to march to the end zone. Don't throw that back shoulder near the sideline pass cuz that's not what Macklin was anticipating. He out, he already outran the cornerback. All he has in front of them is the end zone. No one there to stop him. So Alex Smith, listen man, he's held this team back from reaching its potential. I have said time and time again, just how great these wide receivers are. I truly do believe and I still stand by it. Macklin, uh, Conley, I mean I mean the combine speaks for itself. Uh, the, the amount of talent that Albert Wilson has. I think DeAnthony Thomas, he can still do something when, when given the opportunity, when given the chance to prove it. Tyreek Hill, we all know what he can do. But if these guys don't have a legitimate quarterback, how are any of these guys going to put up the numbers they should be putting up? And big picture-wise, how is this offense going to reach its potential? And I know Andy Reid's been criticized so much for the play calling, but look, Andy Reid's been a head coach for so many years for a reason. He's no dummy. He knows this firsthand, more, better than all of us. Let's look back at 2016 for a moment because it was a pretty good season. Uh, let me just go over the positives. One positive is that you were without your best offensive and defensive players in Jamal Charles and Justin Houston for a majority of 2016, I should say. And you still won 12 football games, you swept the AFC West, and you won the division, you earned yourself a bye week. You never had consecutive losses in 2016. You had a loss in week 2 and week 4, and after your bye week, you only had two other losses. The Chiefs lost once per month in 2016, which pretty much guarantees you a 12-4 record. And if you can limit your losses to once a month... That's gotta that, that that's gotta make you feel really good as a football fan. If your football team loses once every, I mean, all, coaches always talk about how they break up the season into four quarters: the first quarter, second, third, and fourth. If you can lose just one, if you lose just one game per quarter, if you go three and one each stretch, obviously that's how the Chiefs ended up with a twelve and four record. That's golden right there. That is the dream of every single NFL coach, player, and t- and fan, and owner, and general manager. Everyone part of the game of football. That would be the ideal way to go about it, Realist- realistically, too. Now, of course, everyone wants to go 16-0, but let's be realistic. That's only happened once, so you know you're going to lose a couple of games. And let's go over those losses. You only lost what? You lost one bad game. That was to the Steelers. So you were never blown out with the exception of one game. And by the way, on top of those four losses, you did not lose to a bad football team this year. So the Chiefs, not only did they beat some good teams, when they did lose, they did lose to some teams that were competing for a playoff spot or made it to the playoffs. Now the bad news about those losses some of these losses, it, it it could be, and I again, I hate to narrow it down to one thing, but really, the loss to the Texans, 
to the Titans and the Buccaneers, there might have been one or two things that could have been done by Andy Reid or Alex Smith in that game. And then, by the way, I'm not trying to narrow down just those two. I mean, it's a team effort, but one or two things that could have gone differently in that game, you might have gone 15-1 and this season. And obviously going 15-1 and would have earned you the number one seed. So those three losses definitely were heartbreaking losses for the Chiefs and made a difference as to how they ended up with the number one seed or the number two seed. And obviously they got the number two seed because they lost a couple of narrow games to the Texans, the the Titans, and the, and the Bucks. So for me... And by, I'll just give you an example that that play against the Titans. If Alex Smith can just run and convert on third down right there, make that play like a lot of quarterbacks would to ice the game, maybe I'm not even on here talking about a quarterback change. Because I guarantee you a lot of quarterbacks would be able to put that football game away. They don't want to put the, the game in the hands of the Titans by putting the football to them and letting them have a lot of time on the clock despite not having a timeout to go down the field and set up for uh, for a long field goal, which Ryan Suckup was able to do against his former team. The Buccaneers, I mean, you look at Alex Smith again. That pass that he threw in the end zone, that was the biggest difference maker right there. That is why the Chiefs lost that football game, and he telegraphed that pass. He telegraphed it completely. Against the Texans, you didn't score a single touchdown. You had to settle with all field goals. Now, there are some teams out there, like the Steelers, who are able to settle for just field goals and no touchdowns and still come away with wins, it's very rare that it happens. Very rare. And the Chiefs, their defense kept them in this football game, and the offense never rewarded that defense. And that's been that's been pretty common for this Chiefs team for a couple of years within their losses. If you look at all the games the Chiefs have lost, the defense has, has done a great job of limiting opposing offenses. It's just the offense doesn't compete. Look at the game against the Bengals last year. The Chiefs scored 21 points, and it was not uh, three touchdowns. It was eight field goals from Cairo Santos. And the Chiefs lost that game 36-21. to So imagine if those eight field goals were eight touchdowns. We're talking about a high-scoring shootout at Arrowhead Stadium. But no, not the case. And I know I've gone on this entire podcast about the the quarterback situation, and even while I'm trying to recap the 2016 seasons, the positives and the negatives, I just can't help but look at the negatives and say, look, if Alex Smith doesn't throw that pick against the Bucks, which, by the way, that's why he was brought in here for. That's why the Chiefs traded two second-round picks, because they knew he did not make passes like that. The, uh, the, ability, the inability, I should say, to finish that game against the Titans... That's another key thing that could have given you another win there. Not leading your team to a to a score against the Texans. I mean, that definitely hurt your, your team. Tyree Kill was the only one who scored on that kick return touchdown, and it was a, a touchdown that got called back due to, due to a, what a lot of people believe was a flop, and me included. So here's the thing. You can look at all the 16 games this season, and... You know, out of all the wins, sure, Alex Smith had a hand in a couple of them, but against the Falcons and the Panthers, Alex Smith didn't do much in that game, especially in the second half against Atlanta. 
the defense, more specifically Eric Berry, and I've touched on this last podcast, he single-handedly won those two football games for you. And it's kind of scary wondering if Eric Berry will end up in Atlanta, a team that he'll be keeping an eye on this 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 weekend while he's in off-season mode. It's kind of concerning because he's, got, he's of course, going to be a free agent uh, this off-season. So we'll see how that goes. But all in all, I think the common denominator is uh, play calling's got to be improved, and hopefully Andy Reid can just get better at it. Which, by the way, Andy Reid's proven that he can be a good play caller. He's had some games this year where he's had some great play calls, and that's helped the Chiefs win their football games. I know a lot of people focus on the bad, on the losses, and then blame it on Andy Reid for the play calling. But he's shown he's shown his ability to to do a good job at it too. Now the other reason is for these losses, Alex Smith. That's a common denominator right there, guys. If you're a supporter of Alex Smith, fine. But just know this. I've laid out the reasons why the Chiefs lost the games that they lost. And listen, you're going to lose games that you may not have expected to lose. That happens with every NFL team, every sports team. But in the NFL and football, it's a lot different because you only have such few games that each game means a lot. Each week is huge. And the Chiefs, yeah, they lost the game. They probably should not have lost to the Bucks and the Titans. They probably should have won that football game in Houston with the way that Marcus Peters came through big in that football game. The defense didn't allow the, the Texans to light up the scoreboard. The offense just couldn't reward them. I mentioned this earlier, and I'll say it again. Next podcast, I'm going to be going over all the position groups. And I'm going to tell you whether or not I think the Chiefs need to address that position or not in the offseason. If they should look after a, a, a key starter, someone who can come in and start right away. And you can damn sure put money down that the quarterback position is going to be on that list as, as, as a position that needs to be addressed. I'm going to mention that first, but I'm not going to go detailed into it like I have with this podcast. So we, we kind of already got a head start with that topic as to which position the Chiefs should address. And the quarterback position to me is number one. It, it just is. Me personally, I, I've been a big fan of Alex Smith. For those who have been a long-time listener of the podcast or if you follow me on social media or if you've been reading my articles, I've always been a supporter of Alex Smith. But at, at some point, you've got to – push comes to shove. And you've got to say, why are we not winning our football games? Well, Alex Smith at some point did not have help. We have brought the help to Kansas City, and he is still not winning those football games that we need him to win. Bottom line. You've got to be able to have a quarterback who can come through and not make you have regrets in those situations. And Alex Smith, unfortunately, has in, in a couple cases. Listen, like I said, the Chiefs could be 15-1. and one. And if they had good QB play against the Texans, Bucks, and uh, Titans, we could be talking about a 15-1 team getting ready for, for a number one seeded team and maybe having home field advantage, maybe hosting the AFC title game. Who knows? And that's why the Chiefs need to look for a new QB this offseason. Let's go around the NFL. All right, the Oakland Raiders have officially filed for relocation. So what that means at this point is that three-fourths of the NFL owners have to approve of this in order for this to go in motion. I'm going to tell you what, if you're an NFL owner and you disapprove of this, you suck. You absolutely suck. I'll tell you what, I I mean, I I haven't been a big Oakland Raiders fan, of course, being a Chiefs fan, but 
I might, I might be in favor of this because, listen, let's be honest. For those of us who've been to Vegas, I think as Chiefs fans, we have a reason to make an annual trip to Vegas nowadays. There's always a lot to do in Vegas, but Chiefs fans now have another reason to go to Vegas. Check out the Chiefs, and listen, I, I love seeing new stadiums, other venues. Uh, I haven't really gotten to do a lot of that in my life, but I would love to check out. Some of these new state-of-the-art stadiums are ridiculous. The Atlanta Falcons were getting a big, crazy-looking stadium with these round-looking video boards. Uh, I would love to see that football stadium in Las Vegas. So if the Raiders move, move to Las Vegas, you can for sure trust that I'm going to a Chiefs-Raiders game in Vegas. Hopefully, the craziness of Raiders fans don't carry over to Vegas. But, you know, given that Vegas is a big tourist attraction, uh, I think a lot of people are going to want to go to Vegas because their NFL team is going to be playing there. So they'll spend the week, you know, traveling the city, enjoying the strip, and then on Sunday, on their last day, last full day in Vegas, they'll go check out their favorite team, who will be playing in Vegas against the Raiders. So I think it's going to be a nice attraction. I think it's going to be great for the NFL and for the city of Las Vegas. All right, former Chiefs and Falcons tight end Tony Gonzalez said that Matt Ryan should be the MVP. Uh, Listen, do I agree with that? No. He also, by the way, said that Ryan is the complete master at this game. He's saying that because he played with Matt Ryan. He wouldn't be saying this for Tom Brady because he never played with Tom Brady. Bill Cowher is always going to say positive things about the Pittsburgh Steelers because that's the the team that gave him an opportunity to be a longtime coach in the NFL. A lot of these former players, and Gonzalez, of course, is is the pregame analyst for CBS, they go with their team. They like to favor the team that gave them an, an opportunity. I once talked to Wayne Simeon, former KU player who played for the Miami Heat, and I asked him, you know, I said, hey, are, you know, LeBron James and the, and the big three there, you, are, you, do you think they can do it? And he, he had an honest answer. He said, I hope so, more so because they gave me an opportunity to play pro basketball there. So a lot of times when these former, anal, uh, former players who are analysts, when they talk about the game, they favor the teams that drafted them or gave them a job. So, for fans who are upset with Tony Gonzalez's analysis, don't take these analysts too seriously because a lot of them just just like to talk highly about the people they used to work with. Last thing I want to touch on, the Seattle Seahawks could be docked of a second round draft pick because they failed to put Richard Sherman on an injury list earlier this year. Listen, the league has not been clear on a lot of things. They've been clear about this rule and... The Broncos and Colts would put Peyton Manning on the injury report and not really, they would give a very vague description and they would lie about it. That's perfectly fine to do, but to omit a guy who was injured, that's going to hurt you. Let's go out of bounds. All right, uh, Dana White, the president of the UFC, which, by the way, uh, for my UFC and MMA articles, go to cagepages.com if you want to check out more of my MMA commentary. He offered both Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor $25 million for them to fight. Listen, Dana White has to know that Floyd Mayweather is going to demand a lot more money than that because for some godly reason, $25 million 
is very, very low for Floyd. Uh, you know, it just, it just kind of, it, it's annoying to just say that. Cause listen, if a guy, if a guy doesn't even want twenty five million for a fight, screw him. Screw Floyd Mayweather. Do something else with that money. Pay your employees. Give your employees a bit of a pay raise. And I'm not talking about the fighters. Sure, maybe you can even that. You, you, you know what? I take that back. $25 million is a lot to pay your, your announcers a little bit more, the production guys a little bit more, your promo guys, your sales guys, and a lot of your fighters. A lot of UFC fans are complaining about the about the pay that they receive. So why not use that $25 million to pay your guys or donate it to charity? Do something with it. If a guy's going to turn down $25 million because it's not enough for him to accept a fight, screw him. Give it to... I mean, do something else with that money. Listen, this floyd Connor thing... I don't even care for it anymore. Now listen, if it happens, don't get me wrong. I'm ordering it. If it's a boxing match or a paper or UFC pay-per-view, I'm going to order it. But this has turned into a, a really dramatic thing. I'd rather see Diaz versus McGregor 3. I don't want to see some guy who's going to be... Up to this guy with his ego over $25 million. That's ludicrous. That's life-changing money for 25 different people if they even it up. If they split it up evenly. Come on. Are you really that uptight over the, the money that you're being offered to fight Conor McGregor? For Christ's sake. I want to talk about Joel Embiid for a moment because, as a KU fan, uh, I, I love watching Joel Embiid. Me, me as a guy, uh, you know, in my youth, back in the day, playing basketball, I was always a center. Uh, I was always a post player, so I, I, I generally like to favor kind of like what I said, but like Tony Gonzalez, a lot of a lot of analysts they favor their or former teams or guys that play the same position as them. I've always liked the the, the centers in basketball. But anyway, Joel Embiid, man, he is a huge reason why the 76ers are relevant, similar to what Andy Reid did with the Chiefs and turning their franchise around. I'll tell you what, man, there's not a lot of talk about Joel Embiid here in Kansas City, and I think part of it has to do with the Chiefs' playoff run. But I'll tell you what, if, if... Fans in Kansas City can focus a little bit on the NBA. I think they'd be they'd be happy to see what Joel Embiid's accomplished with the 76ers. I think Joel Embiid's going to have a better career than Andrew Wiggins, to be honest with you. So far, that's been the case, at least. So, l- listen, I know I know this is Embiid's rookie year, but he's having a phenomenal year, and this is a guy who is going to be an amazing basketball player for years to come. And by the way. Thursday morning, they introduced the new uh, trailer for the Power Rangers movie. I was a huge fan of that movie as a kid. And listen, I, I, I would say judge me for wanting to see that movie, but go watch the trailer. That's not a movie for kids. That movie is definitely geared toward the the audience that grew up with the original Power Rangers. So this is for the, the, the fans who are now adults that watch the original Power Rangers long ago. And listen, that's not to say kids can't see it, but there is some foul language in there that you would not want to introduce to your kids. There's a there's a bit of a racist joke in there because of, you know, the Black Ranger and, how, you know, what color person would be the Black Ranger. They, they, they include that joke, which fans have 
said for years. So it's kind of funny to see that in the trailer. I'm excited to see this movie as uh, as someone who is a big fan of the show and even dressed up as their characters on Halloween. I'm excited to see that. I'm glad they're doing a reboot of that movie. Time for our final segment of the show. Time to throw some penalty flags. Okay, it's been a pretty bad week for the L.A. Chargers. Obviously, they made the move to Los Angeles. And uh, they hired a head coach by the name of Anthony Lynn. I have not covered that on this podcast, but they have a new head coach by the name of Anthony Lynn, a head coach that not many people know about. They don't know much about his background, coming from Buffalo and and everything he's gone through in his career. He had his introductory press conference earlier this week, and it was one that Chargers fans, if there are any out there, want to forget. Here's how he introduced himself as soon as he was given the podium, the stage, basically. Here it is. Good afternoon, folks. I am pumped. I am so proud to be the head coach for the Sydney, uh, L.A. Chargers. Oops. Yeah, oops is right. Uh, listen, I get they just moved, but come on. If you're the head coach, you've got to know the full name of the team that you are the head coach of. <laughs> and by the way, if that wasn't bad enough... At the Lakers and Clippers game at Staples Center, they they had, a, a I guess, some sort of video package at halftime where they introduced the Chargers, and the crowd started to boo them. Oh, man. Uh, the NFL pretty much said, here, Los Angeles, we're going to give you another bad team. This The San Diego Chargers. They're now the LA Chargers. Congratulations. Okay, I'm about to read you the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, a man was protesting. This inauguration day is happening today, or has happened already, depending on when you're listening to the podcast. And listen, I know there's a lot of controversy with this. Uh, a man was protesting outside of Trump International Hotel in Washington. And, you know, that's that's normal nowadays to, 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 to have a protest over this. This guy did it differently. He burned himself on fire. Rush to the hospital with potential but not life-threatening burns. Listen, I get that there are so many people upset about the change and the new president, but don't do that. What the hell is that going to solve? That's just stupid. It gets better, by the way. There are people doing dumb stuff all across the country. This time in Palm Springs, Florida, a 25-year-old was at a cell phone store and... She was angry. She was already having a bad day, apparently. She got more upset because they would not replay, they would not swap out her broken phone. So, she decided to drive her SUV into the store. So, as if they're they're not helping her already, she thinks that this is going to solve something. No, it's only going to be worse, and you're going to be facing a lot of charges for this. So, you just made your, your horrible day even worse. Now, you're maybe for life because you're going to be paying a lot of money i mean forget about cell phone a broken cell phone you've got other things to worry about lady okay this is my last one what was one of the most read stories on usa today's page this by the way shows how much we love our journalism our news the number one story from usa today thursday harambe's grandmother died that was one of the most read stories in the news on Thursday. Harambe's grandmother passed away. 
But if you don't know who Harama is, by the way, uh, you probably don't even you probably are not even on the internet often. Uh, obviously, you are right now if you're listening to the podcast. But if you don't know who Harambe is, um, just just Google Harambe. I'd be I have not done that. I would be willing to say Harambe has his own Wikipedia page. Is Harambe a he or a she? By the way, that I don't know. But yes, one of the biggest stories Thursday one is Trump is 24 hours away from being inaugurated. But I guess the second biggest story. At least on USA Today's page was Harambe's grandmother died. They are now reunited in heaven. <laughs> uh, listen, man, people who complain about the news and say that you know, ah, oh, these journalists they don't they don't focus on real news. Let's be honest, we love these kinds of stories. We just do. You know what was the number one red story uh, by the Kansas City Star uh, a couple summer during the 2015 season? One summer. And this is baseball season, by the way. There was a, a story that came out on uh, June of 2015. Kansas Governor Sam Brownback spoke against the U.S. Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage. And it was, of course, it's a story that was all over the nation that day, including the Kansas City Star. The same day, there was a story that Eric Hosmer, the first baseman for, for the Kansas City Royals, and Casey McDonald, who was with Channel 41, she was engaged to Aaron Murray... Uh, it, it was uh, reported by the Star that they were official because they both posted Instagram pictures, pretty much, uh, pretty much making it. Uh, they verified it because there were always there was speculation and all that. Let me tell you something: the number one story on the Kansas City Star's website was not the Brownback a- anti-gay marriage ruling. It was Casey McDonald and Eric Hosmer are dating. Listen, we as people, we we bash TMZ for their news, but there are a lot of people who just care about these kinds of things. The Kansas City Star wrote an article once that they were showing Eric Hosmer taking his girlfriend at the time, Casey McDonald, to uh, to a uh, batting practice, a batting cage, and giving her tips. Like, that was a story on their website. People care about these things. So listen, the whole Harambe grandmother thing, people care about that stuff, man. They just do. It's funny what people will read about and actually care about on the news these days. We try to be, we, we're critical of it, but let's be honest. As a, For the most part, as a society, us as people, we care about this uh, lowbrow media. We just do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, uh, sometimes we need that lowbrow media. I just wish it wasn't so rampant, but that's our society nowadays, I guess. That'll do it for the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Farzim Vasugan. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. Share it. Tweet me. I know, always appreciate it when you guys can share the podcast. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzim Vasugan. Follow me on Twitter at Farzim21. The podcast will now be once a week until after the Super Bowl. I'll take a little bit of a break after the Super Bowl, and then we'll uh, return doing a podcast once a week. Or, you know, if there's anything big going on in the NFL, Chiefs News, we'll, of course, cover that here on the podcast. That'll do it for this edition. Thank you so much again for listening. I'm your host, Farzim Vesugian. I'll talk to you next week.